It's bad ink jam, but not as we know it. This is bad. Welcome to the Bashcast, brought to you by BookieBashing.net, betting at 100.1 and above. This is Bashcast episode number 152, Prohibition in the 20s. It is quarter past 1pm on Thursday, the 22nd of January, 2020. Coming up in this afternoon's Bashcast. Lee Westwood brings down a European tour event. William Hill begin the big squeeze and accuse great sports offers betters of being criminals. After the break, gambling is getting a bad name and could it get any worse? And we have a look at what is the most difficult achievement in all of sport, all that and more coming up tonight on the Bashcast. Happy 2020, Bashcats! Sorry for the long break since the uh, last Bashcast. It might kind of be the same until the next one. What happened whilst we were away? Well, we... I, why is it that I'm betting on Lee Westwood every single tournament? He, I don't know why he's value. I'll, I'll tell you why he might be value, because he's only had one win uh, since 2014. That was the Ned Bank Golf Challenge in um, November 2018. Other than that, it's been quite a long time since he's had any success although he's always up there but he's also just one of those players that seems to be value week in week out on the tracker and so we had him for the abu dhabi hsbc championship this is one week after having cameron smith a winner at 50 to 1 lee westwood was 90 to 1 um and value was up in the recommendations i sort of double dipped on him i went in on the shops and i went in on my Skybet account and um he took it down congratulations thank you very much lee westwood and he, he never looked in danger as well he was like three shots in the lead coming through to the back nine maintained a two shot i like that when you maintain a two shot lead all the way through the back nine so it's never that risky He's a good guy as well because he is a Queen of the South Dunhamers supporter. And I was a Queen of the South season ticket holder. Or, I don't, well, I don't think they had season tickets that they sold back in those days when I was under 10. But we lived in a house only a few doors down from the ground so we could walk over to it and pay three pence to go and get in and see them get beaten by Barrack Rangers or... Queen's Park. So I think it's because his brother-in-law is um, Andrew Coulthard, the golfer, um, who is from the Fries and Galloway, which is why he's the Queen of the South supporter. But anyway, he was interviewed um, um, 
after the, the tournament. Did you see this? The Abu Dhabi? So he wins it, and then he goes and shakes hands with Tommy Fleetwood, who's won in the last couple of years, and Sergio Garcia. And then he's interviewed um, and asked why he talks funny and everything. It was quite a bizarre interview. Let me see if I can play it here. Yeah, but the way, the way you talk, my brother, it's like, I, I, I live this, man. Right. This, is, this is me, man. This is what I do. It's like one of the, one of the greatest newsreaders was Trev, Trevor Phillips. He used to read the news for the news at 10. Mm-hmm. And he was like a Jamaican of Jamaican descent but he read it in like a real correct English accent he didn't read it like a yardie he didn't go wow amazing 10 o'clock news what guan he didn't talk crazy like that he talked like a newsreader should talk yeah I'm a friggin hip hop DJ how am I meant to talk alright Lee bit weird that I mean he's a philanthropist and loves his snooker and but who knew he was a hip-hop DJ? I didn't. I thought that was Pulse. But there you go. So so um, I had two winners in a row on the golf. Uh, really frustrating the week before um, in the in the Sony Open. Um, I put together the recommendations. Um, and then I normally... It's like right, the recommendations for me are like writing an essay. I put too much in and then I start taking out that's the best way to write an essay right you put you put lots of content into the essay and then you take out the worst bits and you're left with a good essay I don't know I've written an essay in decades but you know what I mean and so with the recommendations what I'll do is I'll overpopulate and then I can sort of select what I think is the best of that smaller set and and um take out the worst guys and Cameron Smith was in the initial draft he made the initial draft um, and then, and then I removed him, and he went and won the Sony Open at fifty to one. And I was on him at Betfred um, at fifty to one. Same Betfred shop. I had the fifty to one one week, and then the ninety to one the next week. So can't go back and quite collect the ninety to one just now because I don't have a plan. Um, the plan might be that that will be the last time that shop is visited. Certainly this month and maybe this year and perhaps in the 2020s. We'll see. By the way, talking about being drafted, did you watch? Go watch that N, the NFL documentary about Aaron Hernandez, the Patriots tight end. So him and um, Gronkowski came through at the same time. Um, and if you haven't seen or heard the story, um, Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez had rather similar career paths after winning the Super Bowl with the Patriots in which uh, Hernandez scored a touchdown at the age of 23 or 24. Um, Quite similar. I mean, Gronkowski went on to be one of the greatest NFL tight ends of all time. And Aaron Hernandez killed a load of people, went to jail and committed suicide. Oh, uh, apparently could be due to brain injuries that he suffered playing American football. Although not everybody with brain injuries goes on multiple murder sprees. But anyway, if you haven't seen that, Inside the Mind of Aaron Hernandez on Netflix, don't put it on if you can't binge watch to the end. I think you need that three-hour block in the background because once you start watching it, it's really difficult to stop. So 
the golf was on a sort of run. We peaked in week 22, 23. This is on the recommendations only, right? So, like, last week I was on Cameron Smith and made a lot of money on him. And I'm having a really good run of personal profit on the golf. But the recommendations, these are the only things that I can really talk about PL for because they're transparent, because they're up on the site. So we peaked at week 22, uh, round about like 4,100-ish. Um, then we've been up and down and up and down for about 14 weeks. But we're not peaking yet, but we're back up to nearly peaking 4,080 pounds. So hopefully we can move forward from there. This week in the Farmers Insurance Open and the Amiga Dubai Desert. There's a lot of chat about it. There's a lot of chat about a few people saying that they hadn't hit a golfer yet. Um, There were certainly a few weeks in a row where the winner wouldn't have been value um, on the tracker for one reason or another. And that's going to happen. And when you have winners at 90 to 1, you have to sort of assume that you're going to have a long time without picking the guy that's 90 to 1 because there are so many people in the middle of the field but it's a long-term project somebody suggested laying the win i mean if you're laying it zero percent technically there's probably nothing wrong with that other than i'd find it boring i think i need i absolutely it's it's having skin in the game Right, it's, it's like anything. Like, do you think I, I wouldn't be able to put together all the value betting models if I wasn't betting on anything? Because I, don't, I wouldn't have any skin in the game. I wouldn't have any interest. You have to have that extra little bit of interest to just to sort of switch your brain on for it. And Neil Channing said that if he's got absolutely no opinion of a horse in a horse race, doesn't know who's going to win, he'll put twenty pounds on it just to force himself to pay attention to the race. And so it's the it's the same here. I don't think I could be betting on golf if I didn't have the significant paydays that come with um, having a 50 to 1 winner and then a 90 to 1 winner uh, seven days apart which by the way is glorious although so the other thing that I'm doing is I'm there are two tournaments a week so I'm taking like the top 10 from one tournament and the top 10 from another tournament and try this you just put them into your bet slip and then your bet slip's clever enough that you can just with one unit stake place a hundred doubles because you got 10 from one tournament and 10 from the other and when you're betting at 100 to 1 in both tournaments those doubles are 10,000 to 1 so you don't want to be putting you know tenors on <laughs> because one that'll be a thousand pound bet and two your average odds in there may be 10,000 to 1 you know unless you want to win 100 grand um but um it's just a bit of interest but what i seem to be doing is i i've never had two winners in the same week I've had, um, I don't know, seven or eight winners, but they've all been on individual weeks. So it's going to be that week where they both come in at the same time. That should be interesting. Who are my short price guys um, this weekend? I've got Xander Schaufoli and the Farmers Insurance Open at 20 to 1, well, 18 to 1. And the short price guy from Victor Perez in the Omega Dubai Desert at 28 to 1. So if we round that up just for the sake of math, that's about 600 to 1, just a bit less, 500 to 1 for the double. And then the long price guys, we have um, Sam Horsfield, who's been playing very well. Oh, actually, um, Xander Lombard. I'm not. I'm not going to count the 500 to one Grant Forest because that's just sometimes a little bit of throwaway money. But um, Xander Lombard at 175 to one. He's always kind of been up there. He, he's always up there, the South African, and then tails away a little bit. So I think it's no surprise if he's round one, round two leader. And I really wanted to have a look at the round one leader markets to see if there's anything exploitable there. 
Um, you know, you always see these names like Lombard, Horsfield, Sam Horsfield's another one. You know, he was really fu- he was really up there in the Sony Open, and then just tailed away. To, like I don't think he got a birdie in the last two rounds. But so he starts well, and he's got obviously got the talent, but shaky nerve. So Xander Lombard's one hundred and seventy five to one, and on the other tournament I got you know perennial fame favorite Sebastian Munitz. At 125 to 1. So 175 times 125. Some mental maths. Uh, 25,000 to 1, I think. Something like that. 20, 30,000 to 1, those two. So, I, again, I don't want a tenner on at 30,000 to 1. You know, I'm saving that kind of lottery ticket for the lucky 15s. Um, but, you know, a couple of places this week and hopefully we're peaking again and we can move forward. I just want to get to 52 weeks profit. What I wanted to do is to track it for 52 weeks and show not just profit but reasonable profit. And I always knew that the hard bit was going to be the inevitable losing run, you know, the bad break even in the bad losing run. Well, we had a, we've had two sort of break evenly losing runs in the middle of this um, tracker. So I'm hoping that this could be this could be pushing us on. We're going to have to have, I mean, all of the um, tools and suites and models and algorithms that we have sort of go through first iterations, second iterations. I think the next iteration of the golf model will be due after the 52 weeks. Um, so we're going to do a few improvements um, in terms of getting on. Uh, hopefully we can get these indies sorted, which have just been a little bit more difficult. So the independent uh, especially in the majors, they'll they'll hold one to four odds, which is not something you'll generally see anywhere else. And also be, being shops, a little bit harder to get restricted there. Um, so that's one thing. Um, and then the second thing, um, there was mention of... Um, tour tips, which have a data package, which... Um, Gives reasonable base est- um, reasonable base estimation of competence when in contention. Um, so you can take a particular golfer um, and see essentially a coefficient of bottling, if you know what I mean. Um, um, if he goes forward and takes the lead, um, is he going to hold his nerve or is he going to Sam Horsfield it up? And this is really, this this is very useful for trying to estimate a place price based off no other information that you have. I mean, if we haven't got anything from a data provider like um, Data Golf, if we haven't got anything on the exchanges, um, sometimes bookmaker top price can have a lot of bias in it where they're just essentially trying to sell you the players that the don't think are going to win and they don't take a lot of money on. Um, so trying to come up with a place, we did regression analysis modeling, which was essentially looking at historical um, win prices and historical place prices and trying to map one to the other. But just coming up with the same relationship for everybody, I mean, it was diff- it was different based on field composition. Um, so we're talking about number of players in the field. It's obviously different for 20 players than it is 150 or 220, I think we had in the South African Open the other week. Um, and it's obviously different if you've got a, a 3-1 to one Tiger Woods head in the field than if the favourites are all 16-1 to one and, um, and worse. So we tried to come up with different field compositions and different equations to map the regression analysis over. But there were a number of problems. Essentially, it wasn't 
just it wasn't accurate enough. Um, and one of the biggest problems with this um, bottler. So if we can add this in, if we can add more data and have a look at this from um, Tor Tips, then you know perhaps we can come up with some some enhancements there. Ah, the continuity parrot has just flown through the Bashcast office window. That can only mean one thing. We've fast-forwarded in time. It's now Friday, January 2020. It's a day after I recorded what you just listened to about the golf. And so just I had a bit of an addendum to add to that. Um, since yesterday morning, we went to Betfred to go and collect the winnings on Lee Westwood seven days after picking up £6,000 in cash for um, a winner the previous week at 50 to 1. We go and pick up £6,400-ish in cash at 90 to 1. And the instructions in the rather friendly shop, and no, no sense of irony or sarcasm there, always been friendly cashier, was that um, no more bets are to be accepted, which um, is understandable, if a little bit frustrating, because we, you know, beginning of the year, we put a, we put a five-figure, £12,000 minus, you know, £1,000 worth of other bets, uh, so 11000 net hole in profits, um, so pretty sort of, okay, so pretty easy decision from the traders in terms of they just do a little filter on their database and they see a shop and then they see it's the same person and they go, right, that's it. Um, not the, I don't think it's smart bookmaking by any stretch of the imagination. Been through it a million times. You know, they're probably not accounting for how lucky that particular period of time has been or the fact that maybe I've been down for the last six or seven weeks total in golf because they don't see my wider uh, sort of spread of bets. But yeah, um, so that shop said, no more bets. Now, the girl was very nice about it so, and did whisper, um, you know, in reality, it's only that shop. So go to another shop and see if you can get on there. And um, these kind of things just, yeah, I'm, let's not be too concerned about them. They kind of blow away over a short period of time anyway. They're also sort of factors that are out of our control now. But I think before the event it probably would have made more sense just after having a winner at that particular shop letting the shop go cold for a little bit of period of time and that kind of protects against having two winners in seven days and bringing so much attention so um there's no point in being annoyed there possibly is a small lesson to be learned there that you know two winners in seven days and one shop is you know, if those winners are going to certainly take us through the £10,000 mark. And I don't think it was the five-figure mark that has caused this reaction. I think it almost is the 50 to 1 and the 90 to 1 possibly suggests sharp betting practices. And so, um, yeah, um, there's maybe a lesson there that next time we get a winner, we're like, okay, thank you very much. Here's here's your tip. Uh, no bets this week. And we'll probably be back in a couple of months when... um when it's all been slightly forgotten about that we've had this previous winner. So, one to consider there. Okay, see you later, Continuity Parrot. Back to the Bashcast, as was recorded yesterday.
You feeling zen? Nice bit of zen there. So, who is feeling zen? Put your hands up. I see you over there. Denise Coates from Bet365. Bucky Vash is a feeling zen. Do you know who's not feeling zen particularly? I think it's everybody that works in the trading department at William Hill. So, perhaps, predictably, um, the William Hill have just collapsed to do with the great sport offers. Um, things that have been around for the best part of a decade. Um, well, we did two things, I think, didn't we? One, we started publishing the value of all 25 bets every single day. And then secondly, hit an unbelievable um, hot streak. And they're not related. Just because we were finding regular crazy EV doesn't necessarily mean that we have to have all of the bets win. We were seeing, in fact, this is the thing. We were seeing exactly the same EV, if not a little bit more, during the summer last year and went three months without making any profit. We didn't lose, but we didn't win either. They were definitely losing fortnights and three weeks. You know, when you're losing for a fortnight and three weeks and you've actually got to make a visit to a shop, it's difficult. I appreciate that it's difficult. It's difficult for me. It's difficult for everyone. But then, you know, variance always wins in the end and EV pushes through and then it, it was kind of crazy. It went all the way. It was the 23rd of November, 2019. That's when we were peaking. And since then, um, it's been on the low ebb of various, or sort of returning to normal, returning to the EV line. And most bets have lost since the 23rd of November, 2019. So that's what, like a two-month losing run, which is, again, it's completely standard. The difference, though is that William Hill really will have shot themselves in the foot because I think they lost it. I think a bunch of accountants got together, not traders, accountants, and they said, look at this big hole in our profit and loss sheet. And by the way, it wasn't that big. If I just Google uh, William Hill um, profits third quarter, right? Um... Let's see if we can. Let's see if we can find a recent article. What, what, I mean, I've got a Financial Times article here for 2015. That's useful. Google. Okay, there we go. www. This is money. Uh, William Hill profits buoyed by favourable sports results over Christmas. Gambling giants expect operating profits to have been 143 to 148 million. Okay. The betting firm said it was boosted by favourable sporting results in December. So it's, it, had, it had a good month. And by the way, it's crazy that the share price of a bookmaker the size of William Hill can be affected by favourable or unfavourable sports results. They should be making books. But um, um, so the 23rd of November, we started going on this losing run. William Hill had favourable sports results, which showed that they made £140 million profit. But how much do I reckon we took from them leading up to the 23rd of November 2019? Rough maths that I worked out, £5 million. So if they made um, £145 million um, in 2019, that means they probably made... Uh, 12 million pounds a month 
So I reckon we could have dented them by about half a month's worth of profits leading up to the 23rd of November 2019. But here's where they didn't do themselves any favours. Um, they started restricting everybody, and I mean everybody. They seem to have this rule that if you bet on the early great sports offers once, you were then going to be restricted, not just on that, but on everything, on coupons. And we're talking like, there was a guy on the phone, again, he gives £25 limits, whether it's betting it odds on or betting at 50 to 1. So at 50 to 1, you can have uh, £1,000 liability or £1,250 liability. Um, and at 2 to 1, you can have £100 liability or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. It's paint by numbers administration. Um, but they then coincided putting mass limits on absolutely everybody with our losing run. So they would have had a lot of revenue. They would have had a lot of profit there. So they missed out on that. Fine by me. So um, personally, my profit started to dwindle for uh, due to that long losing run. However, I lost way less than I would have done had I got been able to get the same stakes on that I would have been able to get up to the 23rd of November 2019. Um, so look, I'm not I'm a little bit surprised that they took that course of action. They seem to have two options available to them. They firstly could have just fixed the inherent problems they're having with pricing up markets in the great sports office. They're obviously having huge issues in what really are very straightforward calculations for a company with the resource and the size of William Hill. I mean, you know, if they're listening, here's a really, really easy way to ensure that you don't make mistakes. You've obviously got entry-level graduates or somewhere around that coming up with these odds. Instead of just allowing one of them to do them, get two of them to do them. The same bets, two of them do them independently. And then you find out that if it's the same odds that they come out with, then that should be a correct bet as long as your algorithms are correct and your models are correct. Um, and if they come out with different numbers, they've made an error somewhere down the line. It's as simple as that. I mean, how much does a graduate cost? You know, the time of a graduate, £400 a week. And that's how much it would cost to get your lines correct. Instead, they restricted everybody, which incidentally would have cost them hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pounds by restricting everybody. Um, so, and the way they did it, you know, they identified people that come into the shop and they treated them appallingly, completely forgetting again that is, look, I've got no problem with anyone restricting anybody in in this game that we have. And it is a game. It isn't an industry. I am a professional gambler, but really it's very cheeky doing this for a job. And I, I, I don't expect any particular thing that I'm doing to last forever. Um, William Hill don't owe me a living through my winning sports bets. And if I was William Hill, I would be restricting me tomorrow. But the way they went about it is kind of crazy is um to multiple people they said um that there has been information that a criminal gang has been going around fraudulently taking advantage of the great sports office so there's two words there that was consistent in multiple shops from different people i heard this from and the words were criminal and fraud that's what they're accusing us of I mean, how much bad losers can you get? And do you know why they're accusing it of criminal and fraud? Because they don't have the balls to put their hands in the air to their own superiors and say, we're making mistakes day after day after day. 
you know if they did that perhaps they'd get fired or perhaps you know in an in a company that had a a good amount of structure and a, a good feedback mechanism perhaps they would be encouraged to feedback upwards that mistakes are being made every day and they would correct the mistakes that's what i would want to happen in my company but no that feedback loop doesn't exist there's obviously an element of fear and testosterone and masculinity that's going around this company so instead of feeding back that mistakes are being made it's an easier narrative to say that there's a criminal gang that are going around and placing fraudulent bets exact fraudulent how uh, by the way excuse me i've got to lean over here and just screenshot the 100% boost which is um over 11 goals in the first 30 minutes of some games today which is uh exactly what is that evie Go back to my notes. Fair odds was 7.55. They boosted it to 5. Well, wow. congratulations you. That's amazing. 5, 7.55 for the big 100% uh, boost. Yeah, terrible. Although that's what it should be. If you're running a business, your 100% boost should be 5 to back and 7.55 fair odds. Um, so there, it, it's this this narrative has been fed down to staff, and there's obviously been bollockings, and there's obviously a lot of um, nervousness. And if I was a area manager, and I was felt like my job was under threat, um, I don't think I would argue back. It's a toxic culture that has caused us to get here. But where this feeds down to is that the customers, who are customers of William Hill, who are going into shop and handing over money to place bets on French national football at two to one the fraudulent behavior is that we think those odds shouldn't be two to one we think they should be even money and that uh, so actually a member of staff was challenged at how can this be fraudulent and their at their feedback answer was you're causing markets to move with large stakes well that, that's just and that that you know, there is no market for number of goals in the French National League. That, that, that's just the reply from somebody that literally has no idea what's going on. I'd love to talk to them. I'd love to talk to them to give them a couple of tips, one on how to improve some of the estimations that they're making, because a lot of the bets that they're getting wrong are the same bets every single day time. They seem to be have a real issue with splitting number of expected goals by time period over the match, for example. So what I'd give them a couple of tips, and this is this is just us as well. How are we giving William Hill tips? And then secondly, I'd give them some suggestions on the interaction with their customers and how to treat them because they treat they, they treat people like scum. They treat them like criminals. And that is slightly more frustrating than the inevitable restrictions, which are just a fact of life. It's like, okay, restrict me. Don't accuse people of being criminals. We're, we're such criminals with these analytical models full of algorithms where we come up with prices that are different to yours and then we bet on the prices that you set and offer. I mean, this is hardly Bugsy Malone stuff. So, um, look, I've stopped betting on them. I've stopped betting on them because they're too hot now, Right. Um, I have a new guy in a new area um, uh, who's completely unknown to his local shops. And I've said to him, don't, don't touch him. Don't touch the great sports office. They're too hot right now. I know we made serious profit going into the end of last year. I'm, I'm slightly surprised they haven't got rid of them or put them on a hiatus, but they're just too hot. 
the William Hill are all over them restricting people. Uh, and um, I think there is just enough money to be made elsewhere where William Hill have no idea how we're making that money that um, and we can have a little bit more variance in the types of bets that are being placed that I don't think we have to. We have to do it. I mean, on that, actually, trying to look past the the great sport offers, what we've been trying to do is we've been trying to um, increase the scope and volume of uh, the coupons that we're looking at because coupons should be kind of a never-ending source of value and opportunity. And unlike the great sports offers, not everybody is betting on exactly the same thing. Um, with coupons, um, as long as we have enough coupons up. I mean, it's a slightly double-edged sword because with the coupons, we're betting on um, smart money, steamers, things like that. Um, if we've only got one coupon on up and there's only five teams that are good, everybody will be betting on those five teams. So what we've got to do differently is we've got to have a wider scope of coupons up. But with a wider scope of coupons, you get less of a feedback mechanism when it comes to cuts. Cuts are a really good thing where a community comes into its own and people share the cuts of the the coupon with each other. You know, sometimes it's, okay, I've found a couple and I'll take them and you've found a couple. And hopefully over time, you know, everyone is slightly sharing a little bit of information. It is annoying to go in and find cuts. And it's definitely an edge to be had being the guy that bets immediately after the cuts have been reported. But as long as, you know, over time, that should be shared around, if that makes sense. So the coupons that um, we've been looking at, well, we've had to put some advanced calculations into the coupons tracker so that we're not just tracking um, match winner. So match winner just interrogates one market in Betfair and then compares that against the coupon. Well, now we're looking at, um, first of all, match odds and both teams to score. And we and that's not from the match odds and both teams to score market on Betfair. That's from a calculation that we do ourselves based off match odds, correct score, both teams to score. I'm not, we haven't gone into exact detail of how the calculation works for a very important reason. And that is that it's a big edge. And it's correct. It's been backdated. And it's always the lay odds of that market, of the match odds on both teams to score market, when there's no bias around, when there's no big boost. But if there is a big boost, you do see bias in that market. And you can go into markets and just place back bets at markets for as much money as you want. And those are value bets. So that, that coupon, which is at Betfred, it's called Goals Galore at William Hill. It's called Score and Win, has shown some decent value it's shown decent value because the arbors aren't aware of the value on that coupon we are there's not very many people that are aware that yeovil town at 11 to 4 for to win the match and both teams to score is a great bet and because there isn't a weight of money the bookmakers aren't aware either they haven't thought to be clever and to interrogate the um, secondary markets on betfair to work out fair odds um so the the price just sits there we have um, those match odds in both teams to score. We also have team to win an over one goal, which is no, no big surprise in the calculation there. It's just take the probability of the team to win and subtract the probability of 1-0 from that. On the weekend, we saw Celtic at William Hill team to win an over one goal held at 1.3 to back, 1.13 fair odds. I mean, that's crazy, Evie. On its own, you're not making 
all the money in the world, backing at 1.3, uh, when the fair odds are 1.13. But you start compounding that in multiples. You multiply that with other plus EV bets, even multiply it with other neutral or slightly negative EV bets, you're still coming out with a huge coupon. You could take that and you could add it to... Um, Four or five hundred percent, ninety nine percent, ninety eight percent teams, and the coupon would be a great long term value bet, which would constantly be showing profit. So we have those up. We have Coral and Ladbrokes match odds on both teams to score, which is the one coupon that definitely is. People are reporting back that there is very rarely any value on that. Um, not that we always need the value to be one hundred percent or more, because we're looking at secondary markets, which are often gappy which means that 100% isn't going to be indicative of where the threshold of value is. Um, it's often that the 95 96 97% teams are value for two reasons. One, they've already steamed in from coupon setting price of 91% when it's printed. But secondly, because these are gappy markets in the secondary markets, you know, Yeovil Town's correct score market isn't the most efficient town market in the world, and we're always being pessimistic. It means that these secondary games, once they hit 97 98%, we're, being, we're really underestimating what the EV is, and they're likely to be good. Um... But the Coral and Ladbrokes one, it does seem to be they're, they're, they're really hot on cutting it or there's never any value in the first place. Um, and then we've got um, BTTS and either team to win, which is just, you know, it's a combination of the two match odds and both teams to score prices. Um, and that's a Betfred GG no draw. So we have those. I'm going to introduce win to nil. Um, we're going to maybe introduce team to score one, two goals and things like that. And hopefully have like a big scope, a big choice of coupons. Um, get rid of the ones that rarely show value and keep the ones that do. And this is just one of the things that I think there's going to be more future. I mean, my future going into bookmakers is definitely going to be, you know, focusing on betting on coupons instead of relying on being able to get anything down on the William Hill great sports offers because the William Hill great sports offers they are just too hot right now okay guys that is enough for the first half you are listening to the Bashcast, and it's brought to you by bookiebashing.net
welcome back to the Bashcast. That is Veneer, the Fidelis remix by Bog and G H E I S T from 2019, the Veneer E P. In the bookie bashing news, bookies have been getting a bashing. From everybody, absolutely all quarters, all the way through Christmas, um, and it hasn't stopped in the new year. Particularly from the media, not just bookies, but you feel like the whole gambling industry is... I mean, it's always been an extremely easy topic um, to for politicians and sort of like-minded, woke individuals... And virtue signalers to sort of suggest that the whole world needs to be protected from the evils of gambling, and no one ever, no one ever puts stocks and shares companies um, investments into the same bracket. Even though the majority of investments um, are much higher risk than any gambling, especially sports betting, which probably has like the lowest margins of any kind of investing when. When done incorrectly, if you know what I mean. Like, you go and pump your money into stocks and shares not knowing what you're doing and see if you have 91% of your money returned to you on average. Good luck with that. But the latest report to come out, and there were so many over Christmas. I don't know if you noticed. Like, it just seemed to be, like, not even week after week, but day after day, there seemed to be cause for concern for bookmakers just being lambasted and gambling being lambasted and people needing to be protected. Um, and by the way, the people that need to be protected are the the seven in a thousand. So imagine a thousand people in a line. You'll, it's about seven people in that line that need to be protected and there needs to be things in place to look after them because sorry i'm a slight tangent before i get to the story because but it's important the context here okay you line up this is a survey that um the gambling commission did i'm not quite sure what year definitely after 2016 because it refers to um a health survey um the scottish health survey of 2016 perhaps that's where some of the data was taken from also an english survey and all these things were stitched together um this was i think undertaken by the gambling commission and um out of a thousand people um 52.9 percent of people were gamblers that responded as not having a problem 43% 43% were not gamblers. So that's the overwhelming majority. We've got 96% of people covered there. Okay. So what about the other 4%? Well, 2.4% respond uh, identified as low-risk gamblers. Uh, 1.1% were moderate-risk gamblers. And 0.7% were problem gamblers. So those 0.7%, the 7 in 1,000, they need help. And they need all the tools in the entire world. And personally... I think um, the this may be bad news for anyone making lots of money still out of casinos, um, but I think that one of the most effective tools to combat problem gamblers is going to be effective means for stopping 
um, gnoming and multi-accounting, sort of the ease with which you can open up an account and bet in somebody else's name um, makes it probably quite easy. And now you restrict the ability of somebody to put money down, uh, you know, before, before the internet, you would have to travel somewhere where you were not known in order to get money on. So if you were known enough, in your local area that meant traveling quite a far and that would probably be enough you know in the 1960s and the 1970s to prevent you from gambling because you can't do it easily these days there has to be a way for the companies to come together know that john doe needs to be stopped from placing a bet but that's not going to be effective until john doe can stop betting as jane doe so that you know i would be all for measures in that direction at the expense of the advantage play community and at the benefit of the problem gambling community, personally. You solve that and you stop people gambling and it's going to go a long way. And if you can stop the seven in a thousand being a problem, all of a sudden, the gambling industry won't be lambasted and in the news quite as frequently as it has been. But why was it in the news last week? Well, The Guardian, the... Um, which, as I get older, I seem to have a little bit less time for. Had a headline revealed seven UK betting companies are live streaming FA Cup games. Now, I can't quite grasp the um, syntax or the context with which that sentence is meant to be read, that headline. Revealed. Seven UK betting companies are live streaming FA Cup games. Let's read this a couple of different ways. Let's see. Let's see. Revealed. Seven UK betting companies are live streaming FA Cup games. No, actually, that sounds like an advert. Seven UK betting companies are live streaming FA Cup games. But it's a threat. It's kind of said it's sinister. It's like, can you believe that seven UK betting companies are li have the goal to live stream FA Cup games? That's what it means. It's how dare they? Well, okay. So, um, FA are under fire over the arrangement and urged to reconsider. Um, is the bullet point and the Guardian suggest seven UK betting companies are live streaming FA Cup matches as part of a TV and media rights deal struck by the Football Association that runs until 2024 okay despite the governing body having announced an end to all sponsorships with gambling companies in 2017 Campaigners, campaigners against the enormous growth of gambling companies' association with football have criticised the deal, which offers the ability to watch live FA Cup matches exclusively on betting sites, usually if you have a bet on that site or have an account with money in it. Here's two apropos. Um, one, I keep £3 and uh, 5p? I don't know why there's 5p. I keep £3 and 5p in my Bet365 sports account just pretty much permanently. You can have a guess that having opened that account 15 years ago, I have long not been able to bet on it. Actually, we, we were reminiscing. I think the last time probably would have been um, 
the um, penalty payback offer in 2016 for the euros because you could get very large amounts of money on restricted accounts for some reason back then. That would have been the last bet, so four years ago. And for the last four years, I've just had £3 sitting in my Bet365 sports account because that allows me to log on and watch any uh, football match that they're streaming or whatever, you know what I mean? So I use Bet365 for streaming football matches that I can't otherwise see elsewhere. Uh, the uh, the second apropos is that these games that they're streaming aren't available on the television. They don't stream the big Sky Sports TV matches or anything like that. It's almost as if they're streaming matches that haven't been picked up by other services. So there's your team, your Port Vale, your big Port Vale supporter like my mate Wackers was from school. We formed, by the way, an unbelievable duo front for... Um, for our 1995 high school football team. So um, these games, these Port Vale games, you're like, oh, God, well, they're not going to be on TV. I'm going to miss out. And then all of a sudden you hear, oh, Bet365 are, um, are streaming it. I'll log on. Um, I may have to deposit a fiver, you know, which is going to be cheaper than any pay-per-view option would have been on the television. And also you get to withdraw that fiver or place five one-pound bets if you want to do. And I think this is the thing that people are holding on to. Well, they're forcing people to place bets. Okay. I mean, what if it was a pay-per-view on television? How much do you think it would have cost then? And then you don't have the option of winning anything back and withdrawing it at the end of that. Um, the Guardian's article continues. In the UK, Bet365, the giant gambling company owned by the Coates family, who also owns Stoke, has the... Writes as part of the deal along with Betfair, William Hill, Coral, Ladbrokes, Unibet and Paddy Power. The FA does not sell the rights to these companies directly. It has a global betting rights on the FA Cup. to the, um, It has sold the betting rights to the marketing company IMG for a reported £3.1 million a year. And IMG sells the packages on. Um, in addition to the seven companies that have bought the rights to show the matches in the UK, IMG has sold similar streaming rights to other betting sites internationally. Uh, although the deals have been running since the start of last season, and this is not, this has been going on for ages, not just with um, um, FA Cup matches. How many times have just random matches that you wouldn't otherwise be able to see? They're all on Bet365, and they have been for years. Um, the FA is facing particular criticism now because it used the third round matches last weekend as an opportunity to promote its Take a Minute campaign to improve mental health. You see... Again, I'm no psychiatrist, but improving mental health is all around looking after the people who are highest at risk, the seven out of 1,000, making sure, making, absolutely focusing on those guys and making sure that we can restrict the ability to allow them to get money on so easily and then having an adult grown-up conversation with the rest of the 993 who do not perceive gambling as such um, a negative and alienating pursuit. There's enough of them actually really enjoy it. I mean, are we going to start saying the same things about horse racing? Why is it different that horse racing is streamed on every bookmaking site um, and the FA Cup cannot be. What's, dif what's the difference in mental health? Why drag mental health into it just because it was the FA Cup? I know we had the Take a Minute campaign in the FA Cup and they were tying the two together, but that doesn't just mean that we can only talk about mental health 
during FA Cup matches. The FA emphasised that the media deals were concluded via IMG before the decision was taken to sever sponsorship with betting companies. Uh, the governing body has said it will review the sale of betting rights to FA Cup matches before the rights deals are renewed for the 24-25 season. Um, the FA agreed a media rights deal with the IMG back in 2017 when this story could have been um, written, but it was written recently, presumably because, well, one, it's sort of piggybacking on the back of everybody lampooning, lampooning bookmakers and the gambling industry, and second, it's like a slow news month, there's not much going on in it. Um, when the FA ended its official betting part partnership with Ladbrokes and all sponsorships with betting companies in May 2017, it said it followed a three-month review of its approach as football's governing body, taking betting sponsorship whilst being responsible for the regulation of sports betting within the sports rules. Um, then there's a little thing about Joey Barton who... Um, what, what's the point of bringing Joey Barton up? I mean, actually, what is the point to bring? So Joey Barton um, um, was given an 18-month ban by the FA for breaching the prohibition on players gambling, which is a very important, very serious um, set of processes in place to protect against match fixing, which, you know, is, is extremely important. No one was suggesting that Joey Barton was involved with match betting, but he cannot, when he's playing for Burnley, be associated in any way with sports betting. What has that got to do whatsoever with Bet365 streaming football matches that aren't on Sky Sports and the mental health of the seven in a thousand problem gamblers? What has it got to do with it? It's got nothing to do with it. Um, these articles seem like they're going to continue from The Guardian and from The Sun and it's only going to get worse and at some point I feel like a lobbyist or a group needs to come together to be a voice um, for the consumer. You see, I don't think betting companies' voices are particularly um, palatable in this argument against the people that are voicing criticism. You see, there's a lot of people who are voicing criticism against gambling and against the bookmaking industry. And when if the bookmaking industry comes up with a counter-argument, um, these people are very quick to dismiss them. However, I think if there was a, a lobbyist group that represented consumers on uh, sort of the anti-bashing of the gambling industry and the gambling acti and gambling activities then that would be really useful it's just who's going to go and do that because you have to sort of you have to step up and spend a lot of time and energy and challenge these people who for far too long have just been have just been using gambling as an extremely easy way of getting on a soapbox and getting upset about something. Dr. Dara McGee of the University of Bath, who has conducted extensive research on the consequences for some men's mental and financial health of 
excessive gambling on football, said the sale of FA Cup broadcasting rights was an alarming new dimension in the gamblification of football, which is already saturated with targeted advertising campaigns, sponsorship of high-profile clubs, and naming rights to stadia and supporters' rights. In effect, it it means that Bet365 and other betting companies can become primary gatekeepers for public access to live sporting coverage. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Dr. Darren McGee of the University of Bath. This further incentivizes gambling participation among fans, including young people in vulnerable situations and groups. Alternatively, and an alternative narrative to this story could be that Bet365 are benefiting football fans by allowing them to watch games that are not on the TV on their site. Similarly, when Ladbrokes posted an advert saying log on and either get a free bet or some free spins over Christmas, many people jumped up and down and said, how dare they? Why are they targeting people on the most holiest of days when we should be all be celebrating baby Jesus with our mobile phones turned off? And spending time with our families. Well, and there was a lot of people jumping up and down at that. Do you know what? There's a lot of lonely people out there. There is a, there's a lot of people that spend Christmas on their own, either by a choice or because they've got nobody. And some of those people, um, they get some um, benefit. They get some comfort from undertaking activities of pleasure, one of which would include gambling. And Ladbrokes, as a gambling company, have every right to send out adverts to gamblers. There is a narrative there that there is a gambling company advertising to gamblers, some of whom who take comfort from gambling, some of whom would be lonely on Christmas Day. And as adults who 993 of us out of a thousand are not problem gamblers at high risk of whatever the risk was that was um, measured in that survey... The 993 of us that do not have a problem have a choice to read the marketing from the betting company and to go and get our free spins on Christmas Day and or choose to decline them because we're celebrating the birth of the little boy who was born in the manger 2,000 years ago in the fictional story. You know, we have the choice to do that. We're all adults. Can we not be treated as adults? Not everybody has to be protected. What I would like to know is, has Dr. Dara McGee gone and spent... £25,000 on a a, um, new BMW, possibly through some financial scheme dreamt up by the car industry to persuade people that they need that they can afford to spend more of their monthly income on cars whilst he's earning £18,725 per year as a research associate um, at the University of Bath because PhD students and even postdoctoral um, people do not earn a lot of money. I don't know what car Dr. Darren McGee drives. I do know that there are way too many people on the road who have expensive cars um, that they cannot afford. Uh, and I'm the opposite. Whilst I have a real problem with very expensive meals and holidays, my car outside cost me four thousand pounds and even then i was gold at how much money i was spending on it 
Um, uh, but that's my choice. I choose to spend a lot of money on certain things and not mon- a lot of money on certain other things. Dr. Darren McGee may have chosen to spend a lot of money on his BMW and has a car that costs more than his annual wage. Is anyone jumping up and down and um, and shouting at him and telling him that he's a... Um, um, a, a cog in the wheel of the higher purchification of um, the car industry. No, nobody's saying that to him. Um, so uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I, let, let's all buckle up and brace ourselves for the next round of attacks from uh, these lobbyists because uh, it's only going to get worse as the year continues. Um, there was a dumb um, Twitter poll that I thought was quite funny um, from at Adam Chernoff, whoever he is. Um, and it was, um, if you have eight hours a day a, uh, for a year to try, which is the most difficult feat to accomplish. So you got eight hours a day, whatever you're doing for a job, you're not doing that anymore. You are practicing on one of the following three things. Um, you're going to do snooker. Darts or golf? And what's going to be most difficult to accomplish within the year? A nine-darter, a snooker maximum, um, and a or a hole-in-one, right? So let's have a look at this one by one. So if we start with golf, that's, you have... Um, it's relatively easy, surely, uh, after Kim Jong-un got 11 holes of one and went 38 under par um, in a round of golf witnessed by 17 of his bodyguards, all no doubt in fear of the consequences of disputing the veracity of his card. Um, But the odds are generally about 12,500 to one for an average golfer that he or she will score a hole in one in any given day. And I think I read somewhere um, that an albatross is... Um, is it 30 times or something less likely than a hole-in-one because hole-in-ones are um, pretty much always on par threes, the occasional par four that might be downhill or drivable or whatever Um, but your hole-in-one on a par four um, or uh, your second shot going in on a par five pretty much never ever happens Um, um so the albatross, much rarer than a hole-in-one, but the hole-in-one is still 12,500 to one for the average golfer. And I, um, I think somewhere in the region of even money in any particular golf tournament, there was a big gambling coup a few years ago with some couple of lads who had realised that um, a hole-in-one in a golf tournament um, was be- being overpriced and had been overpriced for a number of years, went up and down the country, bet on a hole-in-one, ended up um, not getting paid out the full amount because some bookmakers claimed they would be bankrupted and would go out of business from the amount of money that they were going to collect from them. Um, so you're looking at um, maybe 150 competitors playing four rounds of golf. So you're looking at 600 rounds of golf by professional golfers. Um, on the PGA and the European Tour, and the odds are about even money that one of them will get a hole-in-one. Um, 
in terms of the nine data during the world championships and this is from memory um apparently the nine data to be accomplished in the world championships is one of the most biased markets in sports betting but it is hovering around even money as well so you have about um an even money shot at there being uh, a nine data when there are 64 competitors whittling their way down to one playing an ever increasing amount of sets all the way through the tournament and then you have a 147 which during any particular tournament um, especially the world's or a major one is also about even money to take place now it seems to me like um for the average person a hole in one could be quite achievable because you could get lucky and get a hole in one you see i can we could all hit the green on a par three so you just hit the green over and over again all day every day same hole 100 yards um eight hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year i think my chances of getting a hole in one are quite reasonable just because the amount of volume that I can put in. How many times am I going to get a nine data? Uh, in a year, what are my chances of a nine data? I reckon if someone offered me both sides of a thousand to one, I'd probably still lay it. Um, if I was just throwing darts at the treble 20 for eight hours a day, all day for a year, I would still probably want to lay myself at 1.001. Um, I just don't think I've got that ability. And I don't think many average people have that consistency to keep on hitting that treble 20. I mean, maybe I'll hit it six or seven times, but not nine. Not all nine times. The snooker maximum, though, the 147, right? Not only is snooker, when you play it on a full-size table, such a ridiculously difficult sport compared to how it looks on television if yeah you know, my, my best break was a 141 that was a red followed by a brown followed by a red and even then i'm slightly exaggerating i've never strung three balls together in snooker it's an insanely difficult sport on a full-size table and i think you could give me all day every day for a hundred thousand years and i would not pot all 36 balls in the correct order on a snooker table it just wouldn't happen and so personally i think the snooker maximum is obscenely more difficult to do than the nine data which is probably slightly more difficult to do than the hole in one uh coming up this weekend we have um west ham versus liverpool tonight in the premiership and then on the weekend the game of the weekend is 3 p.m. on Saturday afternoon when Newcastle are at home to Norwich. wonder if we're going to leave it to the 95th minute to start scoring all the goals in the game in that game as well. Uh, on Sunday, we've got Burnley, Arsenal, Spurs, Man City. Um, the NFL Super Bowl final will be between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And just personally from watching Patrick Mahomes... All season, I hope the Chiefs win it. Can't believe they're as um, long as 1.87. He just seems like he is um, destined to win the Super Bowl with the way that he has been playing this year. And um, it will be good to see 
the Chiefs win the Super Bowls in Miami this year, which is good because it means that it's on the East Coast, which means that I might have a small chance of being able to stay up and watch it and not fall asleep before the uh, before the end. But we'll see this year. And then because um, it's the first Bashcast of the year, just looking forward um, into 2020, we have the Euros this summer, just um, starting less than two weeks after the Champions League final in Istanbul. Um the Euro 2020, uh, the final is at Wembley this year, um, which will be taking place at the same time as Wimbledon. And then that will finish. And we've got the Open at Royal St. George's straight after that. So we've got like a, a solid month there from the end of May to the um, the middle of July, um, where it's just going to be back-to-back summer sport. It's going to be good. And then um, what's happening just after that is the Olympic Games 2020. This is really four years ago since 2016. It can't be. It's not true. We have the uh, Olympic Games later on this year. Um, probably like for a major sport, the least amount of betting opportunities take place in the Olympic Games. But we're four years older. We're four years um, um, more intelligent and experienced. And perhaps, just perhaps, there are some edges that can happen in track and field and athletics and trampolining that we can find that we didn't know about that we could find four years ago. You just never know how useful probability distribution can be until you try and make one. Whatever it is that you're betting on throughout this year, please make sure it's valued. This is Tom, signing up. Did the earth move fireless? Did the earth move fireless? Did the earth move fireless? Did the earth move fireless?